Hi, everybody. This is Jose Palomino, CEO of Value Prop Interactive, and your host today on Business Growth on Purpose. And today's guest is Joe Apfelbaum, and Joe is a is an expert on B2B marketing, but in particular, the proper and best use of LinkedIn, especially the advanced LinkedIn platforms to help sales professionals grow. We're going to talk about a lot of things around what's happening in marketing, in B2B marketing, what's changed in the last couple of years, and what's coming up. So listen closely as Joe joins our show to add a lot of value. Well, welcome, Joe, to Business Growth on Purpose. Thank you so much for having me here, Jose. I'm really excited to be here. Well, thank you, Joe. And, and Joe, just for our audience sake, uh, just to give a little context, I would like to ask, you know, what do you do and who do you do it for? My name is Joe Applebaum. As you guys know, I'm the CEO of Ajax Union. We're a business-to-business -business digital marketing agency based in Brooklyn. Been around for 13 years, serviced over 1,100 clients. And we typically help companies that want to grow, but they want to grow strategically. They want to get the right types of clients. Sometimes companies start and they just start doing SEO. They're doing tactics, they're getting traffic, but that traffic doesn't lead to often qualified leads and they get frustrated. And many of those companies also go out of business because the wrong clients will put you out of business. So what we do is we first start with strategy. That means we figure out your goals, we make sure you have the right target market, the right messaging to that target market. Then we build out your funnel, which includes your lead magnets, email automations, landing pages, technology, reporting, tracking, then we move on to tactics like search, social, and email. And if you do that and taking that approach, it's a much more strategic approach. And I believe that the right strategy will save you a decade. I like that, that phrasing, they'll save you a decade. B brilliant. Uh, because typically your mind went to, it's going to save you a ton of money or whatever, but it's a, it's a decade, right? Because you're right. I mean, companies that, you know, that especially a lot of companies we serve and, you know, just kind of looking at uh, helping them with meta strategy and so on. You know, these are companies that have been around 20, 30 years. So their, their view is, okay, we're going to be around, but they're frustrated by something. And a lot of things you discussed, uh, growth or not the right kind of growth or growth that they say, gee, we're doing well. We're growing 30% year over year, especially hearing this a lot in manufacturing post-COVID. Uh, but it's not even more profitable business because they're scrambling to find material. They're scrambling to find the labor to, to meet that demand. And it's their biggest customer. So it doesn't help them with customer concentration. They're not helping them with valuation in any way. So that brings me to kind of a question. One of the things I, I really wanted to talk to you because of the various things you do to help people through that whole kind of supply chain of getting the message out to the right customer. Uh, what's changed in the last two, three years in terms of what's happening in marketing? I mean, People say everything's changed, nothing's changed, we're all going back. I mean, what's really going on there? What do you see as the big differences uh, from, let's say, circa 2019 to today? Well, if you go back pre-pandemic, we were in a different world. People were not so comfortable with Zoom. They weren't so comfortable with LinkedIn. A lot of people were on there, hundreds of millions, but people weren't as comfortable. They wanted to do more in-person stuff. In today's day and age, the metaverse, I kind of feel like, you know, like there's some type of something going on because they knew before the pandemic that we were going meta. Okay. <laughs> they knew they even changed their name. You know, they went, right. they were going meta. <laughs> and so the internet's faster. It's more reliable. Computers are faster. They're more reliable. And we are on web three. I mean, you know, Bitcoin, NFTs, AR, VR. I mean, all that's reality right now. It used to be virtual reality. Now it's reality. We're here and it's here to stay. 
and we're going to get more integrated. They're selling real estate now in the metaverse. I mean, this stuff is real and companies are taking advantage of this. Nike's filing lots of uh, patents for stuff that like virtual goods, things like that. And it's, it's really important for us to like do the research we need to do before we miss the boat. A lot of people missed a boat on Bitcoin. A lot of people missed a boat on SEO. A lot of people missed a boat on many marketing strategies, tactics, opportunities. And if you don't want to miss the boat, it is upon you to educate yourself and to re-educate yourself as to what's going on. The changes are real. The changes are real and they're here to stay. And virtual is a real thing. There's like a whole economic shift around shifting things globally. People mm -hmm. in the US, I don't know if you know this, but there's a big workforce distribution problem. Sure. And so people are hiring people globally now in different time zones. You know, you can get somebody in the Philippines where you pay them a tenth of what you're paying them here, and the quality is often better. The quality is better, or in South America and other places. And so people are with, you know, with the global workforce and what's going on right now, now it's here to stay because offices were closed. Everybody had to work from home. And people talk about culture, culture, culture. Certain businesses, you have to be in person. You can't flip burgers remotely, but that's changing too. <laughs> There's technology well, yeah. that's doing it. You ever see the arm in the McDonald's that's doing it? <laughs> so, you know, think about like copy.ai and Jasper and tools that automatically write content for you. We are replacing human beings with technology, but the one thing you can't replace is creativity, true creativity. Right. You can't really replace that. And so, you're still gonna need humans, they're just gonna have to develop new skills. And so the new world is all about being able to connect ideas that technology cannot connect, being able to do things that technology cannot do, having that emotional connection. And people are more comfortable now doing it online than ever before. As a matter of fact, I used to like poll people online saying, would you rather go to an in-person event or an online event? It used to be everybody would just say in person, you know, physical contact, hugs, this, that. Now more and more people are saying, I'd rather just be at home. I'd rather not travel. I'd rather, it's a competitive advantage. If you look at how many remote jobs are available versus how many in-person jobs, in terms of them getting filled, you can fill a remote job in days. Whereas an uh, in-person job, it might take weeks or months to fill. So there's a real problem and there's a real opportunity too for companies to learn how to, how to, how to have a remote workforce. Fortunately, most of our workforce was already remote in 2019, but we still had an office and we still had people coming in. But now we have people in almost every state that work for our agency and we're making a massive impact and we're ready to go. We got the people trained. We got the people into systems and processes using technologies like Slack, using technologies like Uber conference dial pad, using Zoom, using Otter. Even as I'm talking right now, everything's being transcribed by artificial intelligence. Right. Well, what's interesting about that, Joe, too, you, you made a, a point at the, at the very beginning of your answer, which I think was really, to me, very telling. And that is a lot of these technologies, I mean, it complete this new innovations happening even the last year or two and so on. But a lot of the fundamental technologies like Zoom have been around, uh, but there wasn't this acceptance. Like, you know, so again, as I go out consulting, I, I'd have people want to meet with me in person, want me to do sessions in person and so on because they just weren't comfortable with that. It was like a rare thing if they had to use Zoom or in their case, you know, WebEx or GoToMeeting or anything like that. Or Google Meet, some people yeah, or, or anything like that. <laughs> Let's but use now, Google Meet. My personal right. trainer uses Google Meet. He's like, Joe, I wanna use Google Meet. I'm like, why do you want us Google Meet? Uh, let's use Google <laughs> Dairy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny, right? So, and, and you end up with um, 
a, a situation now where everybody, even, you know, generational people that you wouldn't think of being on the cutting edge, you know, they were on with their grandkids on Zoom. Like everybody was on Zoom at, you know, when I say Zoom, it could be Zoom, it could be Microsoft Teams, but some sort of virtual technology. It could be WhatsApp. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I have family is outside the country and, and it's uh, it's what WhatsApp is. is, a, is, is and then people much got angry at WhatsApp. They started using Telegram. Then they got angry at Telegram. They started using Signal. <laughs> but it's so many alternatives. So, yeah, so that that in the backdrop of everything, it says, OK, there's an acceptance level to doing business this way. Also, you know, when I coach people in sales, say, look, I can do five appointments in a day where before I might be able to do two. And, and in fact, the customer prefers it because we get right to it. It's a half hour conversation, a lot less wasted energy. I mean, unless it's something where you have to visit somebody's site, like you're selling something that fits into like a manufacturing environment. Or but even in that of, case, people get annoyed. They're like, don't sneeze at me. Let's elbow each other. I mean, people are just like, let's sit across the thing. People are very uncomfortable meeting in person. Meeting in person has become a much bigger investment for people in terms of travel time. And that's, that's a big point. I want people to underline this. Yeah, that's Eating a good one. in person has become a much more investment, both for the sales professional and for the prospect and for the company. And if you don't have the training to do it virtually, you guys are missing out because there's you need training. You definitely need training. Learning how to use Sales Navigator. We have a boot camp coming up in a couple of months. For the at, at the end of the summer, we're doing a LinkedIn Sales Navigator boot camp. I didn't want to offer a Sales Navigator boot camp, but all of our clients that have Sales Navigator, they don't even know how to use it. They, they know how to use it tactically because LinkedIn teaches you how to use it tactically. But we established at the beginning of this podcast that tactical is not the point. You could right. use any tool tactically. If everything looks like a nail, then all you need is a hammer. But the truth is you got to learn strategically because the right strategy will save you a decade. The right strategy will save you a decade. So there's some good. And I love the meeting in person is a much bigger investment. Thinking of it that way, you realize it's an actually a bigger ask. When you ask a prospect to meet with you in person and, and same you, thing with conferences pre-pandemic i was doing events i would get 500 people to come to my event if i get 50 people to come tonight i'm doing an event in brooklyn we work sponsoring it <laughs> if i get 50 people come it's a miracle on 34th street <laughs> well you know that's interesting because i you know i was born and raised in new york city and i started my family in new york so i'm in new york uh, upper up manhattan and then in the bronx right so different di i know it's a different for people are from New York know that's a different world when you mentioned the different boroughs. But uh, just, you know, the last two years are kind of, at least from afar, because I'm outside of Philadelphia now, um, New York seemed like there's, there's a real challenging environment. Has that gotten any better uh, from a business point of view, from a living point of view? People have moved out into the suburbs. People have moved out. There's a distribution of people. Lots of people went to Florida. Lots of people went to North Carolina. Lots of people moved to the Hamptons, like to live there full time. Like, why the heck should we live in New York in a congested, expensive place where there's always traffic, everyone's beeping, everyone's doing drugs on the street right now because it's somehow legal? I'm not talking about marijuana. I'm talking about hardcore, crazy stuff. Crime is up through the roof. There's a very big problem in New York City right now as we speak. And so a lot of people are just not interested and they left. Now, at the same time, people are still are coming in from other places because they want to make a shift. So there is, a, there is some type of a shift and we see the shift happening. But in terms of large gatherings, people are still really careful they're still afraid. People are still wearing masks. Not everybody, but I would say 20% of the people on the train are wearing masks still. The trains are not as packed as they used to be. Rush hour is not the same. 
but traffic is heavy. It's more congested. The speed limit has gone down drastically. There's more cameras everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so New York City has become a place where it's become a, a tighter, tighter place. Well, at the same time, a lot of the people have left and people are vacationing for longer. They're going out of town for longer. They're not willing to meet as often. If you go to conferences, they're not the same like they used to be. Go to the Javits Center, often it's a ghost town. Well, and I remember when the Javits Center was built, they said this is way too small for a major venue. And you compare it to places like an Orlando or, or McCormick Center in Chicago, that's true. But it, they'd be hard pressed to fill something three times bigger than a Javits Center these days, uh, just because of you know, the way things are going. In, in all industries, I see that. Uh, but there is something about, I remember, you know, sometimes I would take the train up and I get off on, on Penn Station and just, especially around that time, early morning in, um, in April or May, and it just feels the energy of being in, in that kind of environment, right? So that's culture. And I just want to hit on that a little bit. You talked about your own firm having people everywhere. Culture is hard to do remotely. Not impossible, but it's hard to do. It depends on the person. It but so it really me, depends on the person. That. Yeah, it really depends. So culture is hard to do remotely if you have the people that are not compatible with remote cultures. Okay. There are still certain people, although more people are interested in Zoom and although more people are interested in virtual and it's become more comfortable, there are still people that haven't adopted it. There are still people that are not comfortable. They're, they're much more comfortable than they were pre-pandemic, but they still would prefer the in-person stuff. Mm. So you have to recruit for the right people. What got you here is not going to get you there. And also, there's a learning curve. A lot of the people that we hire, they don't necessarily know how to use Slack. They don't know how to use threads. They don't know how to do this stuff. They don't know how to use mentions. You need to have systems and processes and SOPs. That's why we, our president has a PhD in mathematical neuroscience. She writes algorithms because she writes these, these processes, and then she onboards them and trains them properly to make sure that they follow our communication process. The communication process of a company is something that has become mandatory in our virtual world. Because if, you, if you're in person, there's a lot of like, oh, there's a water cooler, somebody walks right. around, people wanna be social. But online, nothing is obvious. Start a Facebook group, look how quickly it'll die. Nothing is obvious. You need to have, you need to be really proactive, have a really good commu a communication process. And if you have a good process and you follow the process, and you're engaged with the process, then you're gonna have a good environment. It's all about the culture. Does the culture promote communication? And if you haven't looked at your core values recently, it's time to revisit your core values if you were just a, an in-person based company and you changed to a virtual company. And again, it has to do with the people and it has nothing to do with the age, by the way. I know people that are 75 that are very savvy on Zoom and people that are 25 and don't know their, from their elbow. <laughs> Okay. Well, so it's, it's what's interesting. All right. So let's, let's take it. So the world's changed and it, it sounds like Joe, from your perspective, it's changed for real and for good. And it's going to keep going in this, in this changed approach. And so I asked you at the beginning, how has marketing changed? So with all these changes and, you know, and I, we alluded to a little bit about internal culture and I think you made an excellent point. I mean, at the end of the day, it is about the people. And, and what I heard very clearly is about being intentional in making sure the kind of communication that used to take place casually when we all were in the same room now has to be done much more intentionally. So what else does somebody listening to this episode thinking, okay, I got to do, I, I want to do marketing smarter. I want to be 2022, not, not 1982 in my approach, right? You know, that kind of thing. What else should they be thinking about? You mentioned a lot about LinkedIn, just maybe hit on just how, how relevant have you found LinkedIn in B2B uh, today 
80% of B2B leads come from LinkedIn. There's 830 million members, 40% are logging in every day. There's only a million posts going up on LinkedIn and most of them are coming from me. <laughs> most people are not posting on LinkedIn. The average user has 440 connections. The average CEO has 930 connections. 58% of people are using it from their mobile phone. LinkedIn is an extremely powerful platform and most people are underutilizing it. So you need to train your staff on how to use it. We provide an, uh, amazing training to companies. It's not right for everybody. Not everybody wants to train their staff. Some CFOs would be like, what if we train our staff and then they leave? And the CEO says, what if we don't train them and they stay? <laughs> yeah. So, so what right. you want to do is you want to make sure that you invest in your people, especially if they're long-term people. And LinkedIn's extremely relevant because, again, it used to be that people would go to conferences, right? They would go mm -hmm. to trade shows. They would go to events. They would go to dinners. They're not doing it as much as they used to. So instead, they're spending their time on LinkedIn. And again, on their mobile phone, that means anywhere they go, they want to communicate. People still have the desire to be social. If you watch The Social Dilemma, people have a desire to be addicted to this connection. We're, we're social animals. Sure. You can't really replace the physical touch. You could still get that. It's just going to happen in more niche. It's going to happen in more niche communities. So whereas before, we would have a 1,000 people come to an event. Now it's going to be an event with 35 people, but it's going to be very, very niche. I believe that the riches are in the niches. So if you're really thinking about reinventing yourself, with LinkedIn, you can get really niche down. So instead of just targeting sales professionals, target sales professionals that sell advertising. That's a whole different world. And on LinkedIn, you can drill down by industry, by location, by so many different factors. And you can find those people that are active on LinkedIn, connect with them, build a relationship, build a community, and then offer them your products and services and properly serve. The best way to serve somebody is in a niche because otherwise it's a red ocean. You need to make a blue ocean, a place where it's full of fish, full of yummy, delicious fishes. That's what we want. We don't want a place that's all a bloodbath where everybody's fighting for each other and we the lowest cost provider wins, they're not really winning because they're all losing money because the race to the bottom ends at the bottom and everyone's dead. Instead, you want to be the most expensive person because you're in a niche and you're delivering value. The most expensive person in the market, that's a competitive advantage because you're offering something that nobody else can offer and there's no roof to being the most expensive. There's always a bottom. There's always a ground zero. There's always losing sure. you know, zero. But going up, there's no limit to how much value you can add. So if you figure out how to add the most value, you can charge unlimited, and that's the ultimate competitive advantage in today's market. Well, and you know what's what's interesting about that is is as you describe those those skills, in a lot of traditional like industrial businesses, right, manufacturing, contract manufacturing, industrial services, they tend to think of marketing as something that you'd hire the marketing person, and they're going to get out there and get you messages, you know, your message out there. You're going to get leads and so on, and it may be some function like that, but but what you really hit on, Joe, it really resonated with me is the need to train your team. Like it's not it's not going to come from one magic person working in a corner cubicle, creating opportunity for you. You got to look at opportunity creation more as a, it's it's an it's an all hands on deck activity, which is a real paradigm shift for a lot of companies that aren't used to thinking that way. Uh, you're thinking about, you know, you, you're buying lists that you're going to have your salespeople call. And that's not even the way. It, it, you know, it works well today because you're talking about being relevant, connecting through LinkedIn and being trained and doing that. In your experience, Joe, um, and you talked about it's not generational and so on, but um, is it really possible to train to teach an old dog new tricks? I mean, those are some pretty big new tricks. If the old dog like might need to a sales veteran. 
We'll say again. I said the old dog might need psilocybin to create new neural pathways, plant medicine. <laughs> that's also new in this world that we're in right now where legalized things are becoming legalized and more accepted. But the truth is you could teach an old dog new tricks because an old dog still likes treats. And we all love pleasure. And our pleasure centers are real and are there. And it's proven that when you give somebody a reward, a pleasure for something, and they do it over and over and over, they have a new neural pathway. So understanding psychology, especially positive psychology, if you haven't read the book that talks about positive psychology, which is called Positive Intelligence, if you haven't read it, powerful book, it's called PQ, understanding how to be able to do this in organizations. Tens of thousands of coaches are taking that, that framework and doing and learning new things. And, and studies show that human beings can learn, whether they're young or they're old. As a matter of fact, the more you're learning, the older you will be and the more you'll fight off dementia. There are three things that fight dementia, which is being social, learning a new language, and constantly just learning and evolving. If you're just, if you're just stuck in your house by yourself and you're not learning anything new, your brain deteriorates. Your brain is there to grow. We're either growing or dying. And I believe that the secret to living is giving. So contributing and making a difference for other people and learning new ways to be able to add value, that's what's going to keep us young. I know people who are in their 80s. They're still teaching. They're still active. They're still working. As a matter of fact, that's another thing that's happening these days. It used to be people were retire at 65. Now people at 95, they're still working. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Go sit in an old old age home and be on Facebook and look at everybody and click, click, click? No, they want to keep busy. So they become a Vistage chair. <laughs> they start right. volunteering. Right. Yeah, 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 they no, start I, no, exactly. I mean, in fact, one of my, my, I was in Vistage for a number of years and he's still a mentor and coach of mine is probably in his 80s and still sharp, great advisor, uh, great insights. I mean, it just, you brought somebody to memory and you're right. It's, 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 you're not going to just stop and then what? Wait to die. You're marking time at that point. Just waiting. You're like, it's like in prison, like marking, the, you know, the hash marks, like five, you know, and keep going. That's a hard way to go. You might as well do, if you love what you do, do it. If you love what you do, do it. If you don't love what you do, love how you do it. And if you can't love how you do it, get therapy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, on that note, Joe, that's fantastic. Listen, if, if somebody listening to this episode right now said, Joe sounds interesting, and he does, and wants to know more about you, how to get in touch with you, where should they go to find out more about you and connect with you? If you go to joelinkedin.com, that's J-O-E, linkedin.com, you can check out my LinkedIn profile. On my LinkedIn profile, under my city and state, there's like a, a workshop that you could watch. It's one hour long. Also, if you read my about section, you'll read about the five books that I published, including my latest book, High Energy Networking, all available on Amazon. So if you go to highenergynetworking.com, you can get the book, the Kindle, or the actual physical book. I'm here to add value. So if you go to my LinkedIn profile, don't just click the follow button, click more, click connect, add a note, and tell me you saw me on Jose's show. And this way I know where you found me and we can build a relationship. I have over a thousand people waiting to connect with me, but I always have room for Jose's followers. Fantastic. Joe, thank you so much for stopping by Business Growth on Purpose. Really appreciate it. And uh, just really exciting conversation. So thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. Really excited to be here. And remember, stay on purpose. On purpose. There you go. Bye now. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, 
come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth On Purpose.